Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Geconia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, citizens of Gecko Nation. Today is November 30th, 2014. I hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving here in America. And uh, for all you international listeners, I hope uh, everybody's doing well. Um, Black Friday came and went, and I hear there's this new Cyber Monday thing. Um, I kind of think these terms are ridiculous, but whatever. Uh, I pretty much hid the entire day on Black Friday in my gecko room because I'm just a little eccentric about that day and I just don't want to be part of the madness out there. (laughs) I feel like people should uh, just be a little more shopper savvy and just order your stuff online and look for sales and... (laughs) You know, why why wait in line for hours and hours just to get a flat screen TV that you could just you could you know buy the week after and have it shipped to you or something? It's just I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, but whatever, people do that. I hope everybody got what they wanted as far as their shopping goes, and um, everybody did it safely. Okay, let's go ahead and bring on my co-host, Mr. Tim Walton from Slice of the Jungle. Good evening, Tim. How are you? What's going on, Dave? Not too much. How's everything with you? Pretty good. Crazy uh, family weekend going on. But uh, I heard you're, you're talking about uh, Black Friday deals. You you don't want to hear any stories about people getting punched in the face for a, a new radio? <laughs> I saw a couple videos on YouTube and stuff of fights and madness and mayhem. And, uh, you know, it's just like... <laughs> reminds me of that that little saying, and you wonder why aliens don't stop by and say hello to us. Um, <laughs> you know, they probably see this because a black getting a black eye for a new iPod. I know it just it seems so ridiculous, right? I mean, like, what has our culture become, and are we really living up to our potential? And when you see things like that, it's like, oh my God, we're we're just a doomed species. It's <laughs> just crazy. Well, it's a good thing you didn't start off uh, the show talking about politics this week. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm not a good. I'm not a good uh, polit- politic conversation person, actually, because I don't really follow. No, politics. I don't. I don't. I don't want to go anywhere near there on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of my uh, idea for radio is, uh, is you know, doing the show has given me valuable experience uh, being on the air. And uh, eventually, someday, I was thinking about doing a completely different show based on current events and uh, not not really political, but um, something that just, uh, you know, is like a, it's not just focused on just one thing. It's just a broad-based uh, show. But, you know, we could have one night we could be talking about, like, the uh, whole Ferguson thing, and another night we could be talking about you know, animals or whatever. And, you know, eventually, who knows, maybe I'll feel confident enough to do that if I become 
a decent host, which uh, I don't know. I think I'm getting better at this. We'll see. Well, yeah, I, I hope I hope we're putting it together a little bit better these days. But uh, tell us uh, how yeah. the show was today. The New York White Plains Expo today was really, really good. Um, I don't think the turnout was as huge as what I'm used to. But, you know, as far as sales go, uh, I was selling geckos, which is always good. Um, I talked to a few other people, and some did good, some not so good. But, you know, I watched people, and people were walking around with animals in their hands, and uh, a lot of people were having fun. And it, it didn't have that claustrophobic, crammed-in feeling like some of the uh, New York shows do. And that's good because, you know, I'm claustrophobic at these shows sometimes, and you know, it was just uh, it was it was a good show, man. You know, I got to see a lot of people that you know we that we talk to on uh, Facebook and YouTube and uh, other breeders and stuff, which is always fun getting to see everybody and uh, seeing what they're working on. And but you know what, this is the time of year too, where a lot of the animals, a lot of the best animals, have already been sold, and you know, breeders are usually just you know thinning out the remaining stock or. Uh, getting rid of their, you know, last season's breeders and animals that they don't need for the following year. But uh, I think after the holidays when people have their Christmas money or whatever and their tax money, I think it's going to be a different story and people are going to be really interested in buying stuff. So, um, I don't know. I did good, so I yeah, can't I don't, complain. I don't remember. Uh, do they do they always do it uh, this weekend? This um, year? Every year? I, yeah, I, I don't remember it being on this weekend in the past, actually. But I, would, I do I remember there being. The, yeah, I, I do remember there being a weekend to do it. Well, you would think it'd be good because people are out shopping. So, but at the same but time, I would think that what a are, lot of a lot of people travel, you know, and a lot of the people that come to that show, or you know, people, you know, like the local people that well, and, wander into the show, kind of not the hardcore herpers. That you know, well, there was like a, those people with families kind of go away this weekend or do family stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of people in there today that were were first time, uh, you know, people at the show, and which is cool. You know, you, you kind of initiate uh, them into the crowd, and you they, you answer their questions, which is uh, you, know, you could tell what level people are at just by the questions they're asking. But um, as far as the the people that were there, you know, you have to wonder like, well. If it's a shopper's weekend, what are they shopping for? I mean, do you think they're going to be shopping for reptiles? Uh, some people were, but I don't know that we really got the the true reptile crowd this weekend. But uh, I think, um, you know, I think it's good to have a show before Christmas, before the holidays, and then the, the next one is after, is not too uh, far after it's the holidays, right after, which is good. right after the New Year. <clears throat> right, right, which is cool, so... Yeah, so that that's usually the best show of the year. That show, and then the one after that, because the one after that, everybody's got their tax return money. So you yeah. know, and people are feel more comfortable spending. And I, I understand it, man. I'm the same way. You know, before the holidays, you don't really want to spend your money foolishly, or you don't want to spend it on things that you don't necessarily need. And uh, but then again, I had to buy things today that I didn't necessarily need. I bought some some cool geckos. <laughs> um, you uh, your friend. T- yeah, you, you know the who, who's the guy that breeds those awesome uh, crested geckos? That he doesn't even have John, a business card, you know. You know, John he just has a regular. Yeah, well, I saw I stopped by his table first thing in the morning 
you know, before the public came in. And he had this killer, killer Harlequin. It was like Harlequin the Crestie, but this thing was like reddish orange and black and, you know, it had that awesome look to it. I don't know what you call it, but, I mean, you know, I'm not even a big fan of Cresties, but I had to buy that gecko. I mean, it was so nice. Um, I just couldn't stop showing it off all day. I was all he, proud of myself for finding it. <laughs> he always has the best crested at the best and at, you know, very reasonable prices. And he yeah. doesn't advertise online at all. Um, and yeah. I, I've actually been thinking uh, that when I get a little, uh, a little photo setup going, that I got to start buying some of his geckos to put online because I'm tired of, uh, of sitting next to him during the shows and and other breeders coming up like uh, like Steve Chamelli coming up and telling him you could charge twice that if you put it online. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He, I, I don't think he wants to do that though, right? He doesn't want to put that. Yep. He, that energy. He's into a it. he's a professional. You know, he has a great job and it's totally just a hobby for him. And he likes going to the show and with you know whatever he has to sell and selling it at the show and he doesn't care you know what he goes home obviously he doesn't want to just give his geckos away but he uh he sells them at a very reasonable price to move them at the show and and uh Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to deal with shipping or emails or anything yeah that is a drain on on your sanity shipping and emails and back and forth believe me um but you know that you're right that's the side of a professional he he doesn't need flashy banners and business cards and all kinds of crazy stuff. He just has awesome geckos. He doesn't even have lights on his table, and you know his geckos know. just glow. <laughs> I was, the last the last show I shared some table space with him, and I was and I was thinking, I wonder if I'd be able to sell more geckos if I just bring a light. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think it matters because when you have the best crested geckos at the show. Whether they're lit up or not, it doesn't matter. You know. <laughs> well, at the at the last uh, Long Island show, um, we were kind of in a dark corner. It isn't as bright as the county center in White Plains, so it, we literally were in a dark corner. And yeah, of course, he still stole his crested, but I was uh, <laughs> I was still thinking, yeah, I think I'd do a little bit better. I just got to bring a light next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I wound up well. I wound up grabbing one for that gecko was only a hundred dollars too. And obviously, that's like something you would see online for three or four hundred, you know. And you know, not that I'm planning on reselling it by any means. I'm just so happy I grabbed it. But I also grabbed a couple um, uh, flying geckos too. I have a few of them here, and I, I grabbed a couple more females. They're wild caught, and they look a little dehydrated. So I got to um, give them a little special attention. I really don't like buying wild caught stuff like that, but. You know, you really don't see any captive-born ones uh, available. So hopefully uh, they'll do well for me, and I'll be able to provide some captive-born ones in the future. And just an underrated species, flying geckos. They're uh, they're pretty common, but um, they're always wild-caught, you know? Yeah, you got to put some out there. So uh, when they stop coming in wild-caught, we'll have some here that people can still work mm-hmm. with. Right, right. I'm seeing people buying them, too. I think uh, I think there is a little movement towards them, and I think in the future we'll be able to secure them as captive uh, born and bred. So that's a good thing. I mean, little by little, a lot of these wild-caught species are, are not going to be able to be uh, imported anymore for whatever reasons. 
either they're going to be depleted in the wilds or regulations or something. Um, so, you know, grabbing some of these now is kind of kind of uh, advantageous, and I think people should be serious uh, about uh, about that. And if you're thinking of doing that, uh, try to do it seriously. Get yourself like a few a few males and several females, and do your research and uh, put some effort into it so you can be a steward to the species, like I like I say all the time, and uh, you know be able to keep that keep the a good diverse bloodline bloodline going in captivity because eventually you'll be able to trade with other breeders to keep it uh you know keep the, the genetics uh strong so uh so yeah I was happy about that I seem to have started a a trend uh for budget frogs ever since I and I do this all the time whenever I uh, buy something uh different and I post about it it seems like everybody all of a sudden oh wow I got to get one of those too and uh, so everybody's walking around with budget frogs, and and I'm not getting any commission for that, which is kind of upsets me a little bit because you know I should get <laughs> some kind of a I should get a finder's fee for making it easier to sell budget frogs all of a sudden. <laughs> so, you want uh, a budget yeah. a budget frog uh, advertising commission? Well, you know, I posted a video on YouTube. A thousand or more people have seen it already, and. Uh, I know several people that saw that video that just said they have to get a budget frogs, and they actually bought budget frogs today at the show because of my video. So, you know, um, and I didn't get any commission for that. So what's up with that, Tim? I got to talk to these do you, guys. Do you keep them in your in your racks with your Leos? No, no. Well, I do that for feeding for when I feed them. You know, um, I have these little. Uh, six quarts that I put them in. I put some water in there, and um, you know, because I don't want to feed them in their tank. Because wh- why get the the water dirty? You make the filter have to work harder. Uh, as it is, when they poop, they kind of mess up their water a bit. And you know, keeping budget frogs uh, is kind of tough, especially when they get big, because uh, they're just so voracious. They're voracious eaters. They eat anything and everything, and they eat a lot, and they grow so fast. They literally almost double in size every two weeks, and uh, they poop a lot, of course. So, you know, keeping their tanks clean, especially while they're growing up, can be kind of tough. So, you know, trying to cut down on, you know, plant, I mean, the food matter in there and their and their poop is tough. So I feed them outside of their tank, and, uh, you know, that seems to help a little bit. So, but, yeah, they're in a big tank. I, I, I haven't shown it off yet. I will. Uh, it's really nothing fancy yet. Uh, see, the, the thing with budget frogs is you don't want to put any kind of really fancy stuff in the in the tank because they eat it. Like, if you have river stones in there, I used to keep river stones in uh, the tank with my budget frogs when I was younger, and they literally ate the river stones. And the river stones are kind of big. They're like one inch in <laughs> diameter. And they would eat them, and they would literally stay in their stomach. And it's almost impossible to get them to regurgitate that unless they want to regurgitate it. And, you know, so I have nothing on the bottom of the tank that they can ingest. And I I don't use any kind of fake plants because they'll try to eat those too. And so it's kind of like a bare, uh, a bare tank, um, but it's, it's very efficient and clean and uh, they seem happy, but you know, a bunch of frogs are very, very interesting captive frogs, um, I think even more so than Argentine horn frogs. Yet, Argentine horn frogs are much prettier in color. The budget frogs just have a very unique look to them. As far as being called a Pac-Man frog, 
I think the budget frog deserves that name more than more than the Argentine horn frog because I mean if you look at a budget frog, it's just it looks like Pac-Man and it eats everything like Pac-Man. So you know it's kind of it's, it's just a really it's a really cool species. So um, but anyway, uh, I'm not going to ramble on and on. But uh, folks, I want to let you know tonight we have a great show planned for you, and uh, we have Wally Kern from Supreme Gecko, and uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit tonight. And uh, Wally is uh, very generous. He's a sponsor of our show, and he's a very generous uh, uh, person. He's going to be giving away prizes tonight. I think what we'll do is we'll give the prizes away to people that call in uh, with good uh, topics to discuss and good questions. And uh keyword is good questions and topics, so put a little effort into it, folks. And uh, we'll give you some cool prizes. He's got some Crested Gecko Diet and uh, so let's see, what else is he? He, he posted in the group, Gecko Nation, um, or I actually I shared his post in the group, Gecko Nation, about what he's going to be giving away. The phone number tonight, folks, to call in is 646-478-5331. And uh, when you call in, it'll ask you, press 1 to speak to the host. If you just want to call in and listen and you don't want me to bring you on the air, don't press 1. If you want to come on the air and participate and uh, get in on the action to win uh, a prize, press 1, and what will happen is I'll see a little question mark next to your name, next to your phone number, and I'll know that you want to be brought on the air, okay? Uh, if you don't press 1, I'm not going to bring you on the air, all right, just so you know, because uh, I won't know that, you know, it makes it look like you really don't want to come on the air, so I want to make people uncomfortable. A lot of people are shy. Uh, but, yeah, look, he's, he's got a 5-ounce uh, container of Bug Burger. He's got, which is worth, he's got the prices next to him. It's worth eight bucks. He's got an eight ounce Superbite, which is 14 bucks. He's got an eight ounce, eight ounce Pangea Crested Gecko Diet, which is 18. And an eight ounce SuperCal LOD, I'm not sure what that is, 10 bucks. And one pound of Superfly, which is eight bucks. And a pound of Superload, which is 15. That's funny. Um, so yeah, guys, get in on the action. We'll have some fun tonight and, uh, give away some prizes. I already see the callers lining up, which is awesome. Um, okay, so before we go any further, folks, just want to make everyone, everyone aware of some really important information. And, uh, I think I have to quiz Tim, and we do this pretty much every week. Tim, I have a very, very important question to ask you. Um, there's a lot of new people in the in the world out there discovering geckos and discovering reptiles, and uh, especially geckos, because geckos are just awesome, and they pretty much top all the other reptile species in many of our opinions. Uh, Tim, we want these people to have the best education. We want them to know the history. We want them to know the genetics. We want them to know good husbandry. Where do, where do we want to send them to learn all this information where they can research and do their homework the right way? We want to get them on gecko forums. Ding, ding, ding. You won. You win that every week. You get it right every week, which is awesome. That's right, folks. Geckoforums.net. Okay? Check it out. And uh, sign up. Become a member there. And we are the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. And also, I'd like to mention that if you love our radio show, if you like our radio show, if you're looking for more media to check out, uh, we have an affiliate which is Herpentine Radio. Justin and JD do a fantastic job every weekend 
Uh, I think they're on Saturdays or Sundays. I think they, they've been changing it every week because of their own work schedules, but they do a great show every week, and they've been going strong for three years now. They have a three-year archive of shows. All right, so check out Herpentine Radio, and uh, I think you'll like it. But uh, also, Tech Nation Radio would not be possible without its amazing sponsors. These sponsor plugs are sincere. They, these people really are the best at what they do. So you're going you're gonna to hear some of them now, and the rest at the halfway point. Check this out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or... It can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need, from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com. Or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at expos in the northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Longhorn Geckos is a father and son collaboration. Daryl and Kate Burton specialize in the best Super Tangelos, Pastel Raptors, White and Yellows, and really nice wild types. Follow them on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos and on their new website coming soon. That's right, folks. And I'd like to remind everybody that you need if, if you need Dubia Roses, you can get 5% off any order by using the code GECKO at checkout with abdragons.com. All right, so definitely check them out. All right. I'm going to go ahead and bring on Mr. Wally Kern from Supreme Gecko. Wally, how are you tonight? Dave, doing good. Can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. How's everything going? All right? Very very good, trying to get over uh, giving and all the food that I ate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's kind of that time of the year. I've been looking forward to our episode, and, you know, I think we have a good good idea of what we're going to do tonight. Um, you're no stranger to radio and, uh, you know, doing like a Q and a in the first half of the show, I think is a great idea. And, uh, first I want to thank you number one for being a sponsor of the show and also 
for donating the generous uh, items tonight for the uh, prizes. That's just really cool of you, Wally. Thank you. Well, it's, it's certainly my pleasure. You guys are doing a great job on the show, and it's the least that I can do. Thanks for having me as a sponsor. Um, I just Absolutely. Wanted to put a little, I wanted to put in a little plug real quick. You mentioned the Bug Burger as a giveaway tonight, and it's a great mm-hmm. insect food. But I tell you what, Marcy uh, from MS2 has the best food out there that you can imagine. Um, my animals, I've used Bug Burger for a long time, and it works great. Don't get me wrong. But Marcy's food is is top-notch, premium insect chow. And Mm -hmm. whatever you give your bugs obviously goes right to your animals. So, uh, you know, Marcy's been doing this for a little bit, and she's got it down pat with her food. So real, real happy with her food. She she makes that that gut load with love, doesn't she, Wally? She does, absolutely. And she cares about (laughs) the hobby way above the business part of it. So, Right. That's that's important. She definitely has become a great part of the community and asset, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, certain people just really stand out because of uh, the energy they put into uh, helping people out there, and she's definitely one of those types, that's for sure. Absolutely. No, I'm looking forward Um, to the show tonight. It's going to be fun. Yes, yes. Um, You know, before we get started, Wally, um, for people that don't know you, I mean, we've done an introduction on your previous episode, but why don't you give us a quick introduction about who you are and uh, a little bit about Supreme Gecko, if you would. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've been keeping reptiles for about 10, 11 years now. I started off with chameleons. Uh, Love the animals, um, uh, but just had some issues with their uh, lifespan. Uh, It was really hard working with chameleons and, and how quick they um, they passed away, um, beautiful animals, very intriguing behavior. But uh, I shortly after uh, uh, getting out of the chameleons, I got into leopard geckos and then crested geckos and loved working with those animals and the different morphs and color patterns and and uh, certainly you know found my a little bit of a niche supreme gecko and some of the reds that we've produced over the years with the crested geckos. Um, I've kept on that line and uh, introduced other lines, uh, pinstripes and, and mochas and, and so on. And I've been keeping the leopard geckos uh, for the that time as well. Uh, but over the last probably four or five years, I've expanded my hobby and uh, started keeping some of the other uh, geckos. I think a lot of people get into crested geckos and leopard geckos. And, you know, you just have to keep the fire going, whether it's working with a different morph or, like in my case, working with a different animal. So about uh, four or five years ago, and I again, I think I've told this story before, but uh, I was standing in a uh, uh, Tinley Park show, NARBC in Chicago, a uh, big national convention, talking to three or four other friends, and they were throwing out these gecko names, and I had absolutely no clue what they were talking about. I was a deer in headlights. Just everything was going over my head. So I did a lot of, you know, shaking my head up and down like I I knew what I was talking about or or knew what they were talking about. No clue whatsoever. So I decided to kind of expand my my interests and my horizons a little bit and started keeping some of the the micro geckos and just loved them. You know, I I think a lot of people like the bigger, the better kind of uh, way to go. But uh, for me, it was the smaller, the better. I could keep more species in a smaller space and I kind of equate the, the micro geckos to uh, uh, dart frogs. 
uh, I think once somebody gets hooked on dart frogs, they expand their their collections uh, exponentially. Uh, and that they're like the, the uh, they're like the bonsai trees of the gecko world, right? <laughs> exactly. Once you're hooked, you're really hooked. And again, I I got hooked and I haven't looked back. Um, still love the crested geckos. In fact, probably I would have to say 75% of our collection is is still um, crested geckos. And uh, the rest is made up of leopard, leopard geckos and pictic geckos and some of the, the micro geckos. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think I'll always go down that path and uh, keep the business running. And I, I tell people, you know, the business is there just so I can afford more uh, expensive geckos. So um, a <laughs> lot of fun. Well, you know, you, you do have a full-time job. and But, you you know, just based on your YouTube channel, your gecko collection seems to be full-time as well. How do you manage everything? There's really only one way. And, and I saw Kendra uh, on the chat list here. And uh, she's come. Out, she's been over to the house many times, and she sees me at shows, and, and she knows the answer to this this question. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's only one way that this gets done, and that's my wife. Um, I think if it were only myself, I would have one-tenth of the collection that I have. Uh, my wife, Nanette, does so much of, of the just general maintenance and ordering insects and getting them in and unpacking and, and any of the sales uh, I I tell people that, you know, our, our shipping manager is involved with all of our sales, and that's Nanette. Um, there's no way that I could ever even think about keeping up if it weren't for her. So I, I have the passion, and I think, you know, Nanette certainly does too. She likes to see baby geckos as much as I do, but the person that keeps us all running is, is uh, my wife. That's awesome. Yeah, and you're very fortunate. A lot of people just don't have that, and... Uh... You know, just to have that support and somebody to help you. Yeah, that's really cool, Wally. And uh, you know, not not everybody else, you know, gives their significant other uh, kudos like that. So you know, that, that's she definitely deserves it. So you should uh, bring her on the air one night and uh, you know have her talk a little bit about some of her uh, stories and responsibilities that she has over there. You know. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I'm sure she would get going and tell <laughs> stories that I don't want her to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you never know. She might be pretty in- unpredictable. Uh, maybe you're smart not to have her on. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, we do have a bunch of callers lined up, so why don't we start with uh, taking a few phone calls? Sounds great. All right. All right, I'm going to take the calls in the order that you guys have called in, okay? So those who have been waiting the longest will come on first. Um, all right. Gecko Nation Radio's biggest fan is Elsa. Elsa's been on hold since the very beginning. Let's go ahead and bring her on. Hey, Elsa, you're live on the air. Hey, you guys. Um, Wally, I was wondering about is it Ligodac just one CI and how big they get, uh, I mean, gram size uh, when they're full adults? Sure. Elsa, thanks for calling in. Uh, you've been a listener forever, I think, on, on the show, so that's big kudos to you. Uh, oh, yeah. Ligodac- Williams eye is probably one of the more common or most known of the micro geckos. It's the electric blue. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful gecko. A uh, little bit of history. They came into the country heavy about five or six, seven years ago. And then uh, they were so common, they were almost like uh, Periodora picta is today. But then they disappeared 
Nobody could find them. Uh, the, the imports were shut down. Uh, but just recently, the last couple of years, they've opened up a little bit, and there's um, some being kept around the country. Um, Williams Eye is probably my favorite micro. Um, the funny thing is that you'll usually see them come in kind of small, about two inches or so. But, you know, as they get acclimated uh, to captivity, get better foods, uh, better kept, um, they can get to be a pretty nice-sized micro gecko. They can be a giant micro gecko, so to speak. Um, they can get to be about three, three and a half inches long. So a nice Williams eye you'll always recognize because they'll be really nice and heavy bodied. Um, the imports will look like a completely different animal. So if you're seeing them two, two and a half inches um, long, that's probably an import or, or an animal that's really not getting the food that it should. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of them, it's just, it's just the males that are the really bright blue, too, right? Is that true, Wally? Good point. The males get that bright, bright blue, almost glowing blue. You know, it's an animal that you recognize right away. The females, though, I, I find it fascinating that the females are just a vibrant green color. I mean, not glowing like the males do, but they're. I think the females are beautiful in their own right. Yeah, no, they that, that, they definitely are. Um, Elsa, out of the prizes, what would you benefit from the most? You have um, crested geckos, don't you? I have cresties and gargs, yeah, and, and leos right. and tokays. Okay, what do you say we give uh, uh, Elsa the Pangea crested gecko diet, Wally? Sounds good to me. All well, right, thank cool. You. Congratulations, Elsa. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, Elsa's uh, got a strange connection. She kind of has a little bit of feedback on our line. Um, but, yeah, Elsa's been a big fan of the show since the beginning, and uh, everybody loves Elsa. <laughs> so, uh, cool, Elsa. Absolutely. Thank you very much for calling. Um, all right, let's go ahead and grab the next caller that's been on for, let's see, 16 minutes here. Caller from the 609 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, how are you? Good. Who's this? My name is Justin. Hi, Justin. Thanks for calling. What can we do for you tonight? Yeah, um, I know you guys are talking about the, the mini geckos, but I, I had a question about cresteds, if if that's not okay. so much of a problem. Absolutely. Um, we have two, two new crested geckos that the pet store that we got them from was only feeding crickets to, and we cannot Uh-oh. transition them to other. Do you guys recommend? Mm. Go ahead, Wally. Sure, and, and Dave, I'm, I'm sure you would answer the, the question the same way. The very first thing that I would do is stop feeding them crickets. Um, yeah, I, and this I sounds, don't do crickets at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, it sounds so so mean or, or detrimental to the animals. If they're used to feeding on crickets, the first thing that you want to do, is, if you want to get them over to any one of the, the diets, the complete diets, is to stop feeding them the crickets. A lot of people will stop for a couple of days, but if they see that they're not eating the, the crusted gecko diet, they'll go right back to crickets. You have to, you know, it's almost like a cold turkey uh, process. Stop feeding them crickets tough or love. any other insects. What's that? you got to use tough love on them. You have to use <laughs> tough love. You, you, you have to wean them away from the, the insects. Feed them the crusted gecko diet and... Uh, what I normally tell people is give it a, a good week, week and a half. The, in, the animals know that they have to eat. I mean, that's their instinct. They'll go to a, a crested gecko diet. 
if the animals have never seen the diet, like what you're saying, uh, probably these crustids have never seen crested gecko diet. What you want to do is give them about a week, see if they're eating, and give them, what I tried to do is give them half the food that you'd normally feed. Normally a crested will eat about the size of their head every two to three days, but give them about half that much so that you can see better if they're eating or not. And certainly watch for the animals to poop. But if they're not eating within a week, another trick that you can do is take a little tiny bit of honey and wipe it to the side of that dish so that they can smell that honey. It's not so much the the uh, tasting of the, the honey, it's more the aroma that will bring them over to that dish. Um, if they're not eating in a week and a half, um, you can certainly call me or, or you know email me or one of the other crusty gecko breeders. But the next suggestion that I would have, and I'd be surprised if the crested wasn't eating by that time, but the next suggestion I would have is to start hand feeding. And that doesn't mean force feeding, big difference. Um, start hand feeding and just dab a little tiny bit over the, the animal's nostrils and, and mouth, and they'll start taking the diet. Give that uh, a go every couple of days and then uh, break away from there and see if they'll start eating on their own again. Okay. Yeah, that I just had a sense. thought, Wally. What if uh, what if you fed the crickets some of the crested gecko diet so that you know if, before you actually cut them off the crickets completely, maybe they can get a little bit of the taste of that food by eating the crickets that are gut loaded with it? Maybe I don't know. Yep, that that's a great suggestion too. Um, I and normally you know it's just the opposite. Um, I get from people that they they've been feeding the crusted the animals have been eating the crusted gecko and they, the person wants them to start eating insects. And my first suggestion is to dust the crickets or or mealworms or dubias whatever you're feeding them with the diet to give them that flavor and get them used to you know that taste. But I'm sure that insects you know mixed into the diet is a good uh, way to to move them over to the diet as well. Great suggestion. Yeah, that's came for me. I'm a genius. Awesome. Hey, Justin, thanks for calling in. Um, what kind of geckos do you have besides the Cresties? Just the Cresties. Uh, we've actually only got the two Cresties, but I've got 10 Kenyan Samboas, a Savannah Monitor, Bearded Dragon, Focata Tortoise, and an Iguana. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, then, Wally, from your experience, out of these giveaway prizes, what do you think uh, Justin would benefit from? And I breed dubious. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you breed dubias, give that bug burger a try. Um, I started using that a while ago, and I, I really, you know, I tried, um, again, uh, the MS2, uh, and I love the MS2, but I had this uh, around and wanted to try it because I was selling it on my webpage. But I I felt that the, the insects love the bug burger. Okay. Hmm. All right. Hey, uh, Justin, message, uh, yeah. message me on Facebook and uh, – I will put you in touch with Wally and make sure the phone number uh, links up so you just don't have everybody saying the name of Justin claiming they want the bug burger. Uh, so, all right, no problem. Uh, all right, dude, thanks for calling in. Great questions. All right, thank you very much. All right, have a good night. All right, let's go ahead. We have another caller here, actually a few more. Uh, caller from the 978 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, Dave. Hey, who's this? Uh, uh, this is your buddy Chad oh. again. Oh, hey, Chad. Uh, How's it going? So you, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Chad, um, uh, what's your last name again? Uh, Hunt. 
That's Chad great, Hunt. Chad Hunt. Yeah, thanks for yeah. calling. What can we do for you tonight, Chad? Yeah, um, I have a question for you guys, for for myself. Now, mm-hmm. um, now I go to uh, the New Hampshire Reptile Expo, and if I want okay. to uh, venture out, if I want to venture out and go to maybe a bigger reptile expo with more geckos or whatnot, what would you guys re- recommend for like uh, an expo that somebody can go to to get maybe more of a higher-end gecko or mid-range gecko? Well, I would suggest either Tinley or White Plains, New York. What do you think, Wally? I, right on with that. Um, if you Really, if you can't find it at, at uh, NARBC at Tinley in Chicago, um, it's going to be hard to find it. Um, another suggestion that I would have is, you know, online is a great source for finding reptiles as well. And not so much, you know, looking for a specific animal, but find a couple of people that frequent, you know, uh, the the um, forums or Facebook and just ask some questions. I mean, um, I think that Tinley Park's a great source and walk around and talk to the vendors. I don't think enough people, I don't think people talk to the vendors enough and, and just, you know, try to get more information from the vendors and vending myself, I know that the, the thing that I love about doing the show is talking to people. So use that as a, a medium to, to ask your questions and find out more information about some of these animals and get a good feel for the animal that you're looking for at one of these shows like that. Um, right. Yeah, and Chad, Chad, I have a suggestion. Um, you know, you're, if you can make it to the New York show, which would probably be, probably be a lot closer uh, for you than, yeah. than Tinley, Okay, if you can make it to the New York show, uh, as far as geckos go, there are so many good breeders there. Uh, Matt is there, myself. Um, Bad from Ohio Gecko is there a lot of, you know, most of the time. Um, And several others that I can definitely point out to you. So, you know, if you do decide to, you know, take a trip down to New York from from up north there, um, get yourself a room for the night and message me, and uh, if you want, you can even hang out at my table, too, if you like. Cool. Um, Chad, what what kind of geckos are you currently keeping? Uh, I have leopard geckos, a white-spotted gecko, a blue-tongued skink, and that's about it. All right. What do you say we give him, uh, let's see, he could probably benefit from the super cow, right? Well, oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Great okay. gift. All right. Chad, you're getting the yeah. super cow. I, I have one more question for you guys. Please, Absolutely. go ahead. Yeah, just just one more question for you guys. Now, out of all the uh, the different types of lizards you have, is there any morph that you haven't produced that you wish you could produce? Oh, you're asking the wrong question. I'm addicted to these things. So, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of things I haven't produced yet. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, basically, my goal is to have a Noah's Ark of leopard gecko morphs, Chad. So <laughs> that's a part of my affliction that I suffer from. Yeah. And uh, part of the reason why my electric bill is as high as it is. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it, I'll answer this first, and then Wally, you can go. I think for um, right now, I'm really looking forward to making, uh, developing, and uh, selectively breeding certain white and yellows 
and I, I believe we're just scratching the surface with what we can do with the white and yellow gene, and I, I'm particularly interested in seeing more development with white and yellow bulbs and white and yellow uh, bandits even, perhaps, and seeing how it um, how we can develop it so that we keep the bold and also get the effect of the white and yellow gene at the same time. So, you know, it's going to take years and years to do that, especially when you mix a, a bandit with a white and yellow, you're cutting that bandit gene right in half. So in order to get it strengthened up to the 100% again, it's going to take a lot of years of development. So, But that's part of the fun. So that's what I'm thinking about. What about you, Wally? What are you looking forward to in the future? Chad, I think that's a great, great question. And Dave, you started the the answer out perfectly. Um, what a what a difficult question to answer. Great question, but it's so intriguing um, for me personally. You know, my breeding is separated into two facets. One is you know working with some of these different little micro geckos and rarer geckos. So you know, half of my battle is just to to you know build up the accommodations, the enclosure to acclimate them into captive breeding. And, you know, this year I, I had a couple of species um, breed for me, and that was, you know, a truly exciting experience. The other half is, you know, working with leopard gecko morphs and crested gecko morphs, and, you know, certainly nowhere even close to what Dave is working with with the leopards. Uh, fascinating morph that, that he just talked about. For me, I, I think for, with the crested geckos, it would have to be, uh, gosh, um, I've, I've always been working more and more toward the, the red Harley uh, more. Um, I would love to see a more white uh, crested gecko with some red patterning, more of a white background mm. with red patterning. So kind of just the yeah. opposite of a red Harley. Uh, but I'd also like to see some crested geckos with uh, a very pronounced red Harley look, but maybe with thin striping. Um, I ha I'm working on a couple of projects like that, uh, and you know, fingers crossed, maybe in the next couple of years, I can um, see some some results from that project. Yeah. What about cool. you, Chad? What do you? What would you like to? What is your ultimate morph? My ultimate morph, probably, maybe like a black pearl or something. Nice. Eh, that's that's just old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, no, the black pearls are cool. I, I, melanistic geckos, dark geckos, they're really cool. What about an all-black crested gecko? Wally, anybody produce anything like that yet? Um, Barb Gilbert down in Chicago has about the nicest black ge uh, crested geckos I've seen. She's She has a couple of lines of the really super dark. Um, I'm working on some darks as well, but I, I'm probably years away from what she's already at. So a great breeder. Wow. A great project, but I tell you, her black line is outstanding. Now, now I have a question about uh, uh, crested geckos. What do, you, okay. what do you guys think? What do you guys think of uh, the crested geckos crossed with the uh, what is it, the chihuahuas? Yeah, is the that what it is? Uh, yeah. What do you think I'll, of those? I'll go ahead and take a stab at that one. I'll be very, very honest. I, I the first time I saw one changed my mind a lot. Um, I, I've always been against the, the hibernation, uh, bringing you know two different species together. It's I think it just confuses people. It confuses the hobby. My fear is that that gets out and is crossed with other animals, and 
and causes some genetic issues that people don't you know know about when they get when they buy uh, their animals. But I tell you, the first time I saw one, it was outstanding. Um, beautiful yeah. animal, reds and oranges, and the look of a crested gecko, but different colors. I'm still not sold on them. Uh, I'm still not a big fan of the, the crossbreeding, but it is a beautiful animal. I'll, I'll admit that. I, I heard hmm. that they don't uh, live a long time. I, I haven't heard that. I, I haven't heard anything about their longevity, but, um, again, you know, just so everybody's aware, um, you can't take that, that cross back to a chihuahua or a, a crested and get viable, you know. Uh, they, you can't get oh, yeah. from them. Yeah. Oh, really? They're sterile at that point? Yes. Oh, interesting. Um, I have a question about that. When they when they're adults, do they do they have the crests of a crested gecko, or are they lacking that? Chad, you you've probably seen one more recently than I have. Go ahead. Um, what, what was that? Um, I'm just curious, Chad, if you've seen an adult uh, hybrid and if they have the crests that a crested gecko has or not. Um, not I'm not sure. I haven't seen one in real life, but I just saw the cross on one of uh, Brian Barchek's videos. Mm. I can tell you that video because okay. he went to a facility where they had one, so I just questioned it, seeing that we were talking about crested geckos. Yeah, I saw him at the show today. He was very busy talking to everybody. I'll tell you, that guy doesn't get a break at all. He's just talking nonstop all day long, taking pictures of that's, people. He, that's what he lives funny. for, though. That's what he yes. loves. Oh, Tim's away. Hey, Tim. <laughs> yeah, Good morning. He, he definitely lives for that. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. Chad, do you, do you have any other questions before we move on? Uh, no, I'm good. All right, thanks, guys. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for calling, Chad. Yeah, All right, we have uh, a few more callers. Oh, we've got a bunch, actually. Uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and take caller from the 520 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, how's it going? Good. Who's this? Uh, this is Max. From hey, what's up, Max? Gecko. What can we do for you tonight? Hey, Max. Nothing much. So, I, hey, how's it going, Wally? Doing good. Thanks for calling in. Yes. Uh, so, I had a question. I I think, uh, you know, it's it's actually about micro geckos, huh? But um, I was wondering. So, I have a lot of other friends who keep micros. And so, here's the question for you, Wally. Whenever your micros lay eggs, do you leave them in the habitat to incubate? naturally or I guess semi-naturally or do you actually pull the eggs like you know we do with our other geckos that's an outstanding question um and it's always been a struggle for me um it seems like the more I can leave the eggs with the parents uh the more success I have um baby micro geckos are a pain in the bottom to deal with um (laughs) They really are. They're so small. They're, it's, it's really difficult to find a good enclosure to keep them in. And I'm still learning from this whole uh, process. But um, I try to leave the eggs in with the parents as much as long as possible. You know, I'll, I'll locate eggs. I'll find them. I'll leave them with the parents. Uh, and if I can, I'll, I'll try to pull them out after about days or so and then incubate them uh, on my own. But what I have found over the last couple of years is um, I don't set them up like, other geckos, 
um, like leopard geckos or crescents, putting them in the, a medium, hatching them out, moving them to their um, uh, newborn enclosure, what I'll do is I'll set up um, the taller, uh, what are they, 32-ounce deli cup with a screen top, mm-hmm. and I'll set that up with uh, sphagnum moss and peat moss on the bottom, some, some fake plants, some, some things for them to climb on, and when the eggs are, are close to hatching, I'll take the eggs and I'll put them right back down into these deli cups so that when they hatch out, they're right in their grow-out containers. Um, trying to move a baby that's not much bigger than uh, or as small as your fingernail. And the more <laughs> you handle animals like that, the more difficulty I think that you'll have. So that's one of the little things that I found, little tips or tricks that I found with micro geckos is when they – when they're about ready to hatch out, I move them into these uh, setups for with the uh, that look just like what they're going to grow off in the next couple of months. Then, hmm, that's actually a really good tip. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what was your name again, caller? I forgot. Uh, Max. Hey, Max. Um, what kind of geckos do you currently keep? I keep um, I keep micros, I keep coleonics, and I keep pictus. Oh, okay. We should talk, talk a little bit about Pictus later, Wally, because I had a request from uh, Mike at the show. Uh, maybe we could hit on that a little bit. But um, uh, for Max, let's see. Uh, how about we give Max the, uh, let's see, the Supervite, or did we give that one away? No, we didn't. Supervite. How does that sound, Max? That sounds great to me. All right, Perfect. cool. Is that cool with you, Wally? Sounds good to me. Thanks, Max. All right. Thanks for calling, Max. See see how easy it is to win? All you got to do is call in with a good question, and you're going to win a prize. That's awesome. (laughs) All right. Let's see. we got another caller here. Caller from the 732 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, caller. Are you there? 732. No? Okay. You missed out, 732. Wally, I have a question Uh, for you. Of of all your small gecko species, uh, which are the smallest? The Spiridactylus? Um, I had a Spiridactylus hatch out this year that I think I got some pictures of it, and the animal, honest to God, the baby, could fit on my pinky fingernail. Um and still have plenty of room to, to play basketball up and down the court. Um, it, they're just incredibly small. Um, it's, you know, when you first start working with them, you know, I, I think that you need to work with some, some of the larger ones to get more, you know, in touch with how how much they need, uh, what their varying needs are. But uh, these guys, and again, like you said, it, it was a spirit aculus, Uh The parents aren't, but... I'm thinking they're probably two inches at the most. Uh, the the eggs are are teeny tiny, but the babies are so small. It it's really it's been a, a great learning experience for me uh, working with these smaller geckos. And it seems like the smaller the animal, the more you know difficult the requirements are. And and uh, I, maybe I just need to uh, to get better glasses to see them with. I don't know. It's always a, a strain. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right, cool. We have another caller here, caller from the uh, 574 area code. 
you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Yeah, Wally, Pat. Hey, Pat. <laughs> how are you doing? How are you? Oh, pretty good. How about you? Uh, I guess uh, I got I got one question that's that's. Uh, uh, I think you recently did a video on YouTube about it, but uh, uh, maybe maybe a lot of people online here might not have heard it. But how do you? I know you. I know you recently started uh, messing with the fruit flies, the flightless fruit flies, for because of yeah. your because of uh, all your micro collection that you have. Absolutely. What, what is? Uh, well, I just recently started fooling with them myself, and I'm uh, and, and I'm kind of perplexed at how to get them. Into the cage <laughs> without making without making a mess and having them everywhere. I I can answer that easily. Uh, when I first started um, into reptiles, and Pat, thanks a lot for calling in. You're one of my favorite people to uh, read on Facebook. You always bring a smile to my face. Um, when I first started with reptiles, I was keeping chameleons and. Uh, the first chameleons that I had were veiled chameleons, and what I found out uh, after I purchased them and talking to other people, and, you know, this was one of my blind purchases. Oh, my gosh, I want some chameleons, so I'll buy them online and not read anything on them at all. Well, after I first started talking to other people, I found out that they were only about a week old when they came in and very, very small. Um there was a great product, and I don't think it's being made by uh, by anybody right now, but Pro Exotics made it. It was called Bug Stop, and it was a white, um, powdery liquid that you would spread on the top of your enclosure uh, if you're feeding in a glass tank, which I was, uh, keeping the, the veils in. I'd spread about two inches, inch and a half to two inches of, of this Bug Stop on with just a paintbrush, and literally the, the uh, fruit flies would crawl all the way up to the spug stop and stop. It was like a Teflon or something to them. So that's a great product. And, again, I don't know if they, they uh, use this or they're making this uh, still or not, but what I've been doing recently, though, is um, to, to try to uh, manage fruit flies, I'll dust the heck out of them. So I'll put them into a, like a little beaker that I have for feeding the fruit flies, and I'll put calcium in there and uh, fill it up with, you know, however many fruit flies that I need and stir it around with a little, you know, just a little shake, a gentle shake, and cover them with uh, the calcium powder or vitamin powder. And I found that with that, uh, obviously not only can they not fly, but they really slow down a lot and they really don't crawl very much up the sides of the enclosure. So, you know, dust the heck out of these fruit flies and you'll find that it, it really slows them down a lot. Oh, great. great. One other quick question, if I could. Yeah, sure. What, what, what's the best way to get uh, Bavea cyclura out of bamboo? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just doing that to, to, to pull, your, pull your chain, Wally. <laughs> Pat's, Pat's referring to uh, a, a problem that I had several years ago where I had uh, some animals. Not, And I tell you, man, if you want to learn from somebody, learn from me because I've done just like everything wrong in the hobby that you could possibly do. Uh, one of the things that you shouldn't do is put bamboo in your enclosure that the animals can get into and then not get out of. Um, <laughs> and I did that a, a, a while ago with some bavaye, 
and uh, literally had to split the bamboo and, you know, break it all the way down the length of the bamboo to get the animal out. And these are super fast animals, too. So to say that that was an adventure is, is really something else. Thanks, Pat. And, Thanks for bringing that up. Hey, and, David, the, the, yes. the, hatchlings for, the hatchlings for that species can fit through a one-eighth inch crack uh, such as uh, is on the doors of the exoterras, just to give you an idea how small they are. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah I, was talking to, to, I was talking to John Boone at the Tin, Tinley Show, or uh, I'm sorry, Joe Hopp at the Tinley Show about it, and and you can't really keep them in the exos because they, they're so small that they can fit through that one-eighth of an inch crack that's on the side of the doors there. You know, I'll tell you, if I had geckos that small to worry about, I think I would need, like, anti-anxiety medication, you know, like, every day. Just to, I'd be worrying about those little guys making, you know, sure they have enough humidity. And I'd be so nervous that they would, uh, you know, not be doing well. That uh, I don't think it would be any fun for me, to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, thank you both for a great show. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks, hey, listen, yeah. um... Max, why don't we go, let's give Max uh, some Superfly. Can you use Superfly, Max? Well, it's Pat, but, uh, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Pat. I, yes. Actually. Yeah, I'm pretty well set with everything. If I need anything from Wally, I'll make him drive it down here to me. Okay. <laughs> I would love to do that in your enclosures. But thank you. I love this show. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Thanks for calling Pat. in. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Okay, folks, we are at the uh, halfway point, so we're going to take a quick break, play the other sponsor plug, and we'll come back. I see we have a couple more callers on the line. Uh, We'll get to you, folks, and uh, stay tuned for more Gecko Nation Radio. We'll be right back. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page, at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by GiantLeopardGecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making. Known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his Leopard Gecko Care app, his Morph Encyclopedia app called Leopard Gecko Pro, and visit his site, leopardgecko.com, to see where morphs are made. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, Contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches. 
whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. All right, folks, we are back. And I just want to remind everybody, use the code GECKO at checkout with abdragons.com to get 5% off your order of Juvia Roaches. Um, also, folks, mention Gecko Nation Radio to any one of our sponsors, and they will likely take care of you. Uh, we love our sponsors. They love us. And uh, it's just a big, happy thing. So let them hook you up. All right. We're going to get back into our second half of the show here with Wally Kern of Supreme Gecko, and I'm joined with my co-host, Tim Walton. Uh, guys, we have another caller on the line. Let's go ahead and grab this call from the 615 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, guys. This is Jamie. Hi, Jamie. How are Hi, you? Jamie. I'm good. How are you guys? Excellent. Doing good. Well, I have kind of a, a different question about the micros. When it comes to photographing and marketing them, what are the special steps you have to take to photograph these tiny lizards? Hmm. It, it, that's a challenge. There's so many challenges. You know, Dave, you, you hit it on hit on it perfectly with, uh, you know, the challenges that you, you're confronted with their size. Um, and photography is certainly one of the challenges. Um you certainly can't take them out, put them on a, a piece of cork bark, go grab your camera, come back, set up your lighting, and flip off five or six pictures and hope that they all turn out. Um, it's not so much their speed and, and movement. Once they're they're settled down, they'll, they'll stay in the same position. The hard part is you just can't move these animals. Um, not that I'm an expert by any means. I'm, I'm still trying to learn a lot about these animals and, and try to do some marketing myself once I, I get more babies. But um, what I'm finding is that you have to keep your enclosures crystal clear. You know, I have all of my uh, animals in, in smaller enclosures, and I spray. I mist with water, obviously, and that builds up. So if I'm setting up for a photo session, uh, and, again, not that I take great pictures, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll scrape the glass, you know, the day before, uh, make sure that everything in the enclosure is set up as, as well as I can set it up. I'll even take out some of the, the hiding places that they have and give them maybe one piece of cork bark, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, come back the next day and feed and the, the hope that the animals will come out and, and start feeding and getting, get in a position where I can take some uh, pictures. So I guess my suggestion is uh, clean enclosure, uh, take out extra decor, uh, wait a day, and come back and try to get some, some shots of the geckos. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Jamie, well, what kind of geckos do you keep? Uh, I have crested and leopards. But oh, cool. I want to okay. get some micros. Yeah, any particular ones you're you're interested in? I'm doing a lot of research right now. I want to get all the research out of the way before I jump in, but there's a couple different ones mm-hmm. that I've been looking at. And 
we'll, we'll take that step in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So can you uh, can you benefit from some Superfly? Sure. All right. You're getting Superfly. Cool. Thank you so much for calling in, Jamie. Do you have any other questions while we have you? Nope. That'll do it. Thank you so much. Great show, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. Take care. All right, bye-bye. All right. All right, I know Tim has a question for you. Wally, go ahead, Tim. Wally, um, I want you to talk a little bit about the lists of species of the most underrated geckos, um, how you came up with it, uh, what you do with it, and uh, if they're all species that you've personally worked with. Yeah, that's cool. I, uh, I'm going to copy a link if Anybody doesn't know what this is, I'm going to copy a link into the uh, chat room. Um, a number of a couple of years ago, um, Oliver, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Cooper, and I think he's been on your show. Um, yep. Oh yeah, Ollie. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. He was on your show, and he has a website called Raw Dog Reptiles, and he featured for 52 weeks. Uh, God bless him for keeping up with this, with his schedule. But he he featured 52 different animals, some geckos, some other reptiles. And I wanted to do an article on what I thought at the time was the most underrated gecko uh, out there. But I couldn't I couldn't pick one. I, I had probably 10 that I was going every day. I would go back and forth. No, I, I want to do an article on this. So I finally gave up and. Uh, put one out there, the most underrated gecko, and immediately deleted it when I started reading it because I thought, I want to hear other people's uh, considerations for what they think is the most underrated gecko. So I started this a couple of years ago, and I was hoping to do 52, and it never came even close uh, just because of work schedule, but um, I think I'm up to about 40 now over the last two years, and uh, these are animals, these are geckos that other people consider the most underrated gecko in their mind. And it's a really, really fun series, and it's, it's not long. It's not a care sheet about the animal. It's not filled with hundreds of pictures. It's just a real simple, here's a little bit of history of, how, you know, how I got into the animal, why I think it's a, a most underrated gecko, and a couple of pictures and a link to their site and, you know, of all the animals out there. Again, I think we're up to 40. I've, I've probably kept maybe half of the animals out there um, and completely agree with, you know, the 20 that I've kept as being most underrated. Uh, again, it was all meant to, to be fun and introduce people into these new different geckos. Awesome. That's great, uh, you know, and that uh, know, the person the person who asked, um, you know, how to uh, kind of get the word out about some of these lesser known uh, species. That's a that's a great way to do it. And Tim, that that's exactly what I wanted to do. You know, it started off um, just kind of you know highlighting a couple of them, but now it's it's morphed into more, you know here's another one that, that people just really don't keep and they should. Some of these geckos are are way out there. Like, you know, you had Travis on a couple of weeks ago and he keeps the uh, satanics, Euclatus um, uh, fantasticus, and those are amazing geckos. They're a little bit, you know, on the extreme side for keeping, 
requirements. Um, but, you know, Travis wrote an article on, on the Fantasticus uh, Satanic uh, for us. and uh, But we also have articles on leopard geckos, a, a certain leopard gecko morph. I wrote one on raptors, and I think that raptors are a, you know, as we diversify into all these other morphs, I, I consider the raptor to be kind of a most underappreciated uh, leopard gecko morph. Uh, mm. So there's a huge diversity in, in these articles. But over and above, it's something that's fun to, to uh, you know, put out there. And hopefully people will be introduced to these new animals and maybe consider keeping them. Yeah, and, you know, Wally, you really do put a lot of effort into education and uh, just doing fun things for the community. And uh, why don't you tell us about some of the uh, things you do, like the 12 Days of Christmas you got going on now, or uh, well, coming up anyway. Why don't you tell us about some of these things you do? Well, well, thanks. Thanks for the mention. And, and Tim, thanks for the mention on the most underrated uh, series. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I mentioned before that, that I've kept, you know, different species, and I got into the dwarfs, the micros, just to keep the fire going. Well, for me, it's, it's kind of selfish in that all of this other stuff, the educational part keeps the fire going. Um, I have a section on our webpage, uh, Frequently Asked Questions, where we have some of the more general questions that started as a, oh, my gosh, I can't answer what happens if my crested gecko doesn't eat the crested gecko diet Ten times a day. I can't do it anymore. I've got to write an article and put it on the webpage and then direct people to that article. Well, I did that with this frequently asked questions and wrote, you know, five or six leopard gecko questions and five or six crust the gecko questions. But when people ask me the same question, certainly on a daily basis, I still answer them and then find myself at the end, oh, yeah, uh, check out the frequently asked questions that we have on Supreme Gecko page. Um, I can't you know, stop talking about geckos. It's a it's a passion, certainly, for me, and I think that that will hopefully keep going for years and years. Um, one of the things that, that I'm really excited about that we've done now, and this will be our fifth year, is the 12 Supreme Days of Christmas, where starting in December, um, we give away gifts to hobbyists. It, it's pretty much as simple as that. Um, I, I started up the donations and asking uh, vendors and breeders to uh, supply gifts. And I pr try to provide, you know, a, a link to their page and a mention in our, our uh, webpage, obviously, and on Facebook. And I try to promote their business as much as possible. I don't get the feeling that people are, are coming to the 12 Days of Christmas and giving gifts because of that. It's to participate in this, this annual event. Um, again, you know, we started off with, uh, in the very beginning, pretty much all the gifts were coming from Supreme Gecko, which was cool. I had a blast in doing it. And um, this year, I think we're up to about $1,200 in, in gifts that we'll give away. And it's not just oh, nice. 12 gifts anymore. Thanks. It's it's not 12 gifts anymore. We'll probably, probably be doing two gifts uh, many of the days of, of the giveaway. Um, and, and what I require people to do is, I, what I didn't want this to be is uh, put down your name and I'll do a drawing and provide a gift. I, want, I wanted it to be more than that. One of the things that we do is I ask people to go over to the vendor's page and share their page or write something about, you know, why they feel that it, you know, the vendor is a good vendor and 
something about you know their past history with the vendor, something to to spur conversation and talk about the hobby and share this whole experience. So, you know, I try to to uh, revolve the whole giveaway. It's not a contest. It's not you know do something for prizes. It's it's literally a giveaway. But you know, I ask people to to contribute to the the whole event by writing something on Facebook or writing something on the web page just to, to kind of get more into that whole experience. So, again, this will be our fifth year. We're starting it up. Uh, there certainly will be more information in this next week, and uh, looking forward to our fifth year. Great. That's good stuff. Um, uh, I'm seeing in the chat room. By the way, we got a lot of people in the chat room tonight, which is just awesome. Uh, Mike uh, uh, Rickett asks, well, he wants to know about um, – the food that you feed some of your micro geckos. Do you use pinhead uh, crickets, or what do you feed the tiniest of the of the tiny ones? Sure. Um, the whole in you know again, Dave. I'm going to go back to, to something that you said about you know getting over anxious about keeping micros. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you should. Yeah. Um, I've brought in some very expensive uh, micros from Germany. And, again, learn from me because I've done just about everything the wrong way the first time. Um, I set them up in an enclosure and didn't notice uh, right in the middle of the top a little hole, and within a couple of days all the geckos were out and about in the facility somewhere. Um, So there's a couple of challenges with micros, and the first is to find an enclosure that is completely sealed off, doesn't have any holes. You know, Pat mentioned you know, the Bavaya and how small they are in exoterras. Um, you have to find an enclosure that's completely sealed off, that, that works for the micros, you know, that you can get access in with this, without disturbing the animals, but they can't get out. Absolutely a must. The second right. thing is you absolutely have to find the right foods for the micros. Um, my definition of a micro is something about three inches or smaller, um, active during the day. So it's a Daniel kind of, uh, gecko, it's not, you know, a, a nocturnal gecko. That, that's just my definition. Um, and because they're so small and because they're so active, you have to have a good heat source that they can um, regulate their their temperatures on their own. Um, but by doing that, obviously, they're very, very active. And being very active means that they're feeding all the time. So, uh, unlike a crested gecko or a leopard gecko, now that we're, you know, moving into brumation, some of us are moving into brumation with leopard geckos and not feeding, you know, these day geckos, these micro geckos, have to be fed every single day. If you miss a day, that's kind of okay, but don't miss too many of those days because they have to feed, they have to be misted, they have to eat. Um, the challenge then is to find a quantity of food, you know, that's available to you all the time. For me, I do um, fruit flies, so that's my main source of food for the micros. I also have um, uh, set up uh, probably six or eight boxes, you know, the sweater boxes for mealworms. I don't raise mealworms to feed to any of the geckos. I have the dubious for that. I raise mealworms just so that in any one of the boxes I can put a slice of potato and in a couple of hours pull it back and find all kinds of teeny tiny mealworms for food for these micro geckos. I just don't ever, oh, yeah. ever be out of Yeah. I don't ever want to be out of food, so I, I I have to have two or three sources going all the time. Another um 
uh, thing that I do. Another source of food that I, I use kind of as a third option is uh, isopods. You can start up an isopod culture in a small nine-quart uh, shoebox, keep it warm, you know, keep uh, keep something over a peat moss substrate and feed them, you know, potatoes and carrots and things like that, and you can get a really good uh, culture of isopods going, which are great for enclosures to clean up the enclosures. But for me, you know, if I'm out of fruit flies and I'm out of, you know, micro worm, micro mealworms, then I'll shoot over to the isopods and start feeding some of the isopods. I rarely ever feed uh, pinhead crickets simply because I, I, it's just so difficult to keep pinhead crickets alive. It's, it's so easy to keep wingless fruit flies alive. Um, but every two or three weeks, I'll, I'll go down and, and take, you know, 15, 20 minutes to set up four or five more cultures of, of fruit flies. Um, having said that, occasionally, you know, I'll, I'll find that my fruit fly culture has crashed and start panicking and have to go over to the micro mealworms or hopefully not that often, but sometimes over to the isopods. But there's a lot of different little foods that you can find. The, the key here is that it has to be small, and you have to have a constant supply that you can you can get to these animals because you really can't go much more than a day or two without feeding them. Did you ever find those micros that got that escaped? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just wanted to add that that baby mealworms uh, can work as well as uh, when I lived down south. Um, one thing I like to use is uh, termites, which um, oh. you know, as long as I knew the area I was getting them from was was not, you know, didn't have any pesticides applied to it. Um, but I found that those really work great with some of the small gecko species. Tim, are you are you cultivating them, or are you or are you uh, collecting from the wild? Um, at the time, I would collect from the wild, and sometimes I would actually bring some, and I would just kind of keep them in a tank for a while, but I didn't actually cultivate them. But I like that idea because. You know, unlike a fruit fly, um, a fruit fly will live usually about, you know, 12 to 24 hours or so without a good food source. And I don't keep, you know, bananas or anything in the micro geckos enclosures. So they'll die pretty quick if, they, if they're in there and they're not eaten. I'm guessing that a termite would live in an enclosure like that for quite a while, which is a good thing. Yeah, I actually had um, one time I actually would, uh, for one enclosure, I would take chunks of rotten wood that were already termite infested and just throw that in there and just every couple of days I'd just break it up a little bit with my hands and you know the the geckos would go crazy for it they loved it one of the one of my favorite all-time foods for micro geckos and it doesn't happen that often that I can find this but and I'll, I'll guarantee everybody's had this, so I'm probably going to gross some people out. But feeding crusted geckos, the diet, once in a while I'll have a, a, a dish that the gecko will kick in the back of the tank, and I'll miss it on, you know, when I'm feeding. And that dish with the, the gecko diet in it will get those little tiny, they're not gnats, but little tiny black flies. They don't fly that well, and they're certainly not fruit flies, but... These flies, and again, I apologize for the grossness here, but those flies will get into that uh, crusted gecko diet and they'll lay eggs and they'll develop larvae. And if I find a, a dish 
with those little larvae in it, um, right away I, I run with joy over to one of the micro gecko tanks <laughs> and throw it in there, and they pound this fish. And I, I, I feel that it's a pretty good food because they're sitting in this gecko diet that's full of all, you know, it's a complete diet for the crusted gecko, so it, it contains all the calcium and, and proteins and everything for the geckos. Um, so I think that these larvae are, are just, you know, packed with all of this uh, nutrition in them. And, again, you know, the micro geckos, it's like they put on bibs and grab a knife and fork, and they're, they're sitting on the edge of these dishes chowing these little worms. Another, another uh, wild-caught food source that I, that I used was fruit flies. I would um, just put a, a, a small bucket um, or container with, like, some old banana peels in the yard for a, a couple days, and I'd walk up to it with a, a cover and quickly apply the cover, bring it in, put it in the cage with the small geckos, quickly uh, grab the cover off and close the lid of the cage and get some free food that way. Oh, yeah. For me, that's like a worst nightmare, though, because with the They would contaminate flies, your flightless ones, right? <laughs> exactly. So with the wingless fruit flies, um, here's another funny story from a couple of weeks ago. Um, my wife and I made wingless fruit fly cultures, and somehow uh, a top got on one of the cultures. And I don't know if anybody has received geckos with a like a screen top, like a, a screen door top on the top, you know, to, to give the geckos more ventilation. I don't know why I had this top sitting around somewhere, but um, we had put it on one of the wingless fruit fly cultures and, you know, put it on our shelf with the other five or six cultures and never paid attention. You know, I mark the date and then I start watching for it in two or three weeks to, to see if they're producing or reproducing, I should say. Um, so two or three weeks later, I go to the culture and it's like almost empty. But there's plenty of worms in there and, and everything, but no flies. It was kind of weird. Obviously, I looked at the top, and here it's, you know, full of whole, it's the screen top. So the fruit flies were literally, you know, going in and going out at their will and, you know, reproducing. So somehow these other gnat things have gotten had gotten mixed in with the wingless fruit flies. It was pretty much a dead culture at that time. I had to throw it out, but... I just looked at the top and thought, boy, I'm giving you a really good food source here, aren't I? <laughs> Dave, are you there? Did we lose you? Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to put the phone on mute for a minute. Um, but, yeah, no, um, Wally, I wanted to ask you a little bit about pictus geckos. Um, I was at the show today, and uh, Mike, um, he goes by the name Mike Sixth on uh, Facebook. He stopped by, and um, he was asking me about the show tonight, and he asked me if we could touch on uh, pictus a little bit. And, you know, pictus are, are, I guess you could consider them micros, can you? Or maybe they're a little too big. What do you think? I I think that they're a great stepping stone into the micros. Um, most of the micros that I consider to be micros in my collection, at least, you know, are more arboreal, they're day geckos, uh, more uh, non-nocturnal, uh, dernil. But uh, I think that the pictus is a great stepping stone. You, your babies are kind of small. You know, it's not like a leopard gecko or a crested gecko. You have to do a little bit of extra work with the, the 
uh, baby picked us to find foods and, and different enclosures. So I think it's a great stepping stone. And, you know, they're starting to produce some really cool morphs with the crest, uh, with the uh, Pictus BKs. And uh, do you work with any of those right now? I, I work with a couple of the different morphs. Um, some of them are really crazy. You know, you have the Emils and and uh, Xanthic, and you have the black eyes and the triple stripes, and it's just crazy. Right now, you know, what I'm working with are more of the – I'm trying to broaden the stripes of the Picta. Um, so I'm working with more of a stripe pattern animal. Um, I have the uh, uh, the albinos. Uh, I can't think of the name now. The uh, T albinos, uh, the males. Um, but I'm not working with a whole lot of the different morphs that are sitting out there right now, uh, but there's some beautiful ones, though. Yeah, the baby pictures are pretty small. They lay a, a hard-shelled egg, don't they? It's not like a leopard gecko egg, right? They do. Um, we keep all of our adults over, and, and people are going to kill me about this, but uh, we keep the, the picta over sand, and we keep about an inch, three-quarters of an inch over of sand, um, and what we do is uh, look in the sand for the eggs because the, the females will find a spot, uh, she'll dig out the sand, she'll bury, and then she'll, you know, fill the spot back up with the sand. So it's pretty easy to find the eggs, and, and that just works for us. I've tried, you know, the peat moss, koi fiber, and every other substrate with the picta, but the sand just works extremely well for us. Never hey, Wally. Um, yeah. Let, let, me just, let me just jump in for a second. You mentioned the sand thing. I I find it extremely hilarious that <laughs> w- when it comes to Facebook groups and when it comes to uh, <laughs> new new hobbyists and stuff asking questions and the the one thing that gets everybody all riled up and fighting and killing each other <laughs> is this is this issue of whether or not sand is appropriate for leopard geckos or not. And a lot of people will say sand is bad. And I'm one of those people I feel like, for leopard geckos, I feel that, you know, why risk the health of your leopard gecko if you don't need to? Why? We've seen so many incidents where leopard geckos can become impacted with sand and uh, wind up dying. We've seen the the uh, the 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 geckos cut open and dissected, and we see the sand just packed in their gut, and yet people still argue the fact that sand is okay. And worst of all, you know, this sand that they sell at some of the pet stores, this calcium sand, which is proven to not be very good for these geckos, um, and they argue that it's good. And it's just exhausting to watch this. This topic comes up at least a few times a month, and it's the same... (laughs) It's the same back and forth, back and forth. And what have you got to say about the sand issue? Uh, do you have any uh, comments on that, Wally? The the most frustrating, and I'll, I'll say, I don't think I can say anything that the whole hobby hasn't said to this point anyways, but the one thing that frustrates me, Dave, is that with the sand issue, the very first thing everybody should be saying with sand, if, if you hear somebody keeps an animal on sand is, the last thing you should say is you shouldn't keep the animal over sand. The very first thing you should be asking is, do you have a calcium dish in with that animal? Um, leopard geckos, and I, I'm 
I'm preaching to the choir, I'm sure here, and I, I would greatly anticipate and and respect your opinion, but <clears throat> the, the very first thing people should ask is, do you have a calcium dish in, in with that leopard gecko? Leopard gecko with a calcium dish will go to the calcium dish to get their, their supplement. Um, if they're over sand and they don't have a calcium dish, you know, God help the animal because that's what it's going to do. It's trying to, to find the nutrients, the supplements that it needs to survive. That's what they do in nature. Um, that's what we see in the hobby all the time. So the very first question that I never see that should be asked every single time is, do you have a calcium dish in with that animal? Uh, it shouldn't be, You sh- the, the question shouldn't be, you should not keep that animal over sand or why are you keeping the animal over sand? It should be, you know, make sure that you have a calcium dish. If a person's going to keep a, keep a leopard gecko over sand, I 100% agree with you. There's no real rhyme or reason to do that other than, you know, the ambience of the tank and they want to see it in a natural uh, enclosure, which really isn't natural either because, you know, that's what the that's not what the animal is used to in nature. But, right. uh, you, you know, I, I think that we, di- you know, di- redirect the, the thing to being, you know, hounded by people with, this back and forth, you know, I know more because I've kept leopard geckos for a year and a half, and, and I know everything about the leopard geckos. Um, on the Rapashi forum, one of the most popular crested gecko forum, forums out there, um, the whole controversy was feeding crested geckos baby food because everybody, you know, 10 years, 12 years ago fed baby food, and then Rapashi came out with their diet. Now we have, you know, a half dozen or more diets out there, so we're moving forward in the hobby, and we're introducing more uh, complete diets to the animals, but everybody fed baby food. Well, the controversy became so bad on the Rapashi forums, you know, somebody would come on and say, hey, I'm feeding my crested gecko baby food, and it's not doing that well. What should I do? And just get slammed with don't feed your animal baby food. That Rapashi or the moderators actually – took the use of baby food off of the forum, so you couldn't type in baby food on the forum, uh, which I found was kind of interesting. And again, you know, it was more about, I have experience because I've kept crested geckos for a long time, so I'm going to tell you not to do it. It was more that than, you know, here's here's the difference. Baby food has this, crested gecko diets, whatever the, the brand, whatever the maker, the manufacturer, has this. Now, go make an educated choice. Right, I mean that's just that's that's it. Yeah, it's 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 just so entertaining to watch those sometimes. <laughs> but um, and it's it's the new folks. They want to learn, and that's the sad part. They want to learn, and uh, the way you know, I, I'm 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 a little. Um, I mean that's the way that's the way I see things in some of the groups out there where new people ask these questions that are very common, they're they're repetitive, they're questions we get all the time, and, uh, you know, we get those instant experts on there that just berate the new people and don't even give them a chance to learn, and and I think a lot of people get discouraged and wind up leaving groups, and I think we lose good hobbyists right in the beginning when they're faced with these personalities on Facebook that just totally treat them poorly when they're learning the the beginning ropes, and so we try to do things differently in Gecko Nation where, you know, that we welcome the new people and we uh, have a lot of patience and stuff, and uh, it's not always the case out there. So, um, 
on Facebook, and you know that's that's and what I like urge, about you And all. we urge them to go to Gecko forums. Right. Yes, we urge them to go to Gecko forums. But I, you know, that's what I like about you, Wally. You're you're very, uh, you know, dedicated to education and uh, good good uh, information. So uh, I think that's, it, that's it really honorable. has to be that way. <clears throat> right. It really has to be that way. Um, and it all goes back to anything that I'm sharing goes back to experiences that I've had in the hobby when I started. I remember on, again, I'll refer back to the Rapashi forum. I made a comment about leopard geckos, and this is probably after a year of keeping leopard geckos. I said something about their cool spot being 95 degrees. And Julie Bergman uh, out in California came back. Her, you know, I got a couple of comments, 95 degrees, you're going to kill your animal cool spot. And another comment about the same thing. And Julie Bergman came back and said, Wally, I'm sure you meant the warm, the hot spot. And I read the post, you know, the next day, and I said, oh, my God, I did mean the hot spot. And Julie did it exactly the right way. Well, I'm sure you meant this instead of just, you know, the berating and the criticism. And she did it the right way. So, you know, I reflect back on that. And, and the way that I felt with her approach to correcting me and educating me I try to push over to other people that are new in this hobby too. You know, everybody makes mistakes, and hopefully everybody learns from them. So, you know, let's treat it that way too. And it's amazing you know, to, to hear the uh, the experts uh, jump on a on a new person uh, bringing up the subject when I'm sure 90% of them have not had any personal experience doing it. Just they know that they shouldn't do it. But you know, when I when I started with leopard geckos 15, 20 years ago, that's what everybody kept them on, and I personally never had a gecko get impacted. And I used to, you know, do it, have them their whole lives on sand, and I never, ever, I, I still to this day, I've never personally seen a gecko with a sand impaction. Well, it's not it's not a certainty. It's just you know it's about risk management. You know why it's the uh, you know trying to lower the risks of these things happening. I think um, exactly. You, know, you, could, you know, yeah. I mean, but uh, well, it is what it is. You know, Wally. I think there's something that we should definitely hit on tonight that um, I've seen pop up a bunch of times recently, and uh, something that you're well versed in and experienced in, and that's uh, shipping. Shipping in, especially shipping in the cooler months of the year, in the winter time. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about some of your your methods and some of your tips and tricks uh, to ship safely during the winter months? Sure, absolutely. Um, I should bring in my uh, shipping manager for this conversation, but uh, I'll see if I'll see if I can handle it the best I can here. Um, I, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about, about tips and tricks in the hobby, and I'll just mention this one just real quick. You know, if you're going to a, a show in the winter, um, somebody shared this with me um, a couple of years ago, and it's worked out really well. Uh, they bring in uh, an empty water bottle or buy a water at the show or whatever, and they have a, a styro prepared so that if they buy animals, they'll fill up the, the, the water bottle with warm water, not hot, but warm water, and then transfer their geckos back home in the styro with the warm uh, water bottle. It saves on a heat pack, and it gives the animals just enough heat to, to you know, make it all the way home without 
uh, getting two calls. I thought that was a really cool trick, and I've done it a couple of times in the past myself. Um, for shipping animals at this time, um, I learned from the best, and that was Julie Bergman, again, uh, mentioning, uh, you know, from years ago in the Rapashi forums, Julie actually did tests with heat packs and uh, not just, you know, testing uh, when they were being shipped and, and their destination, but she put them out in the cold and she performed several different tests opening the box to find out what the temperatures were. Um, so what I do is mimic what she did, and I've, I've you know, changed a couple of small things, but nothing major. But my, um, a couple of things that I'll do in, in the web in the winter is certainly find out through the whole time period what the temperatures are both at your location and the destination location to make sure both, you know, that they're not too cold and not too hot. In the winter, here's the problem. I have a shipment, a couple of shipments going out tomorrow to Arizona. So I don't just assume that Arizona is going to be about, you know, a comfortable temperature. I, I look online and I find out what Arizona's temperature are, is because I don't want to put a heat pack in the box because temperatures here will be kind of cool, certainly really cool tomorrow, and have the box arrive in Arizona and sit on some, you know, desk at the post office for three or four hours in 80-degree weather while that heat pack just continues to warm up the box. So check your temperatures on both locations. I like to use 40-hour heat packs. We'll obviously open them up before we ship and make sure that they, they warm up before they go into the box. Um, I like to, one of the key things with shipping in the winter is um, we don't ship out if the temperatures are, are under the, the high uh, 30s. Uh, anything 37, 38 degrees or warmer, I feel pretty comfortable with uh, uh, an animal getting to the location um, and being safe. Um, and the last thing I want to ever, ever do is ship an animal that winds up in not 100% health uh, conditions to the customer. So we don't ship under uh, high 30s, 40-hour uh, heat pack. The deli cup is uh, ventilated, obviously, but what we'll do is we'll pack it full of paper towels, uh, so much so that the animal can move around comfortably, but they can't... Uh, freely move around, if that makes any sense. So they're not going to go from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top. They're going to get nestled in, and they're going to make the, the one- or two-day trip as comfortable as they possibly can be without a lot. What that does is if the box is jostled, they're not going to go from, you know, side to side and hit the sides of the, the deli cup or the top of the deli cup. They're going to nestle into this paper towel, and they're going to, to ride this, this shipping experience out best that they can. We also minimize the amount of spraying that we do in the winter to the paper towels. I, th I think that's a key. You know, as the, the box certainly will cool down a little bit with cooler temperatures, that paper towel moistened is going to cool down even quicker. So we'll try to miss just as much as we need to to get the, the animal to its location being, you know, semi-moist, with those paper towels being semi-moist. We ship in a small as small of a box as we possibly can, uh, peanuts or, or paper towel wrapped around the deli cup. Uh, we put in our card and, and maybe a note. Uh, close it all up, tape it. Um, I'll be very honest, David. I, Dave, I don't uh, write on the box a lot of special information. This is a personal choice of mine. 
Uh, I've worked in shipping many, many, many years ago, and uh, I know what shippers sometimes can do to boxes that have special markings. So I don't yes. put on their fragile uh, live animals. Uh, be very, very careful. I, I try to make this box not stand out from any other box that's going out shipping. Um, so we'll put, uh, we won't put live shipments or anything like that. We'll put this end up. Um, but that's about all that we do with, with the boxes. Uh, we make arrangements, obviously, with the, the buyer to make sure that they're home when, when the box is coming in or they have arrangements to receive the box, either at the post office or their, their house. Um, try to plan this out as much as possible, all kinds of communication as much as possible uh, so that both parties know exactly what the other party is doing. Um, shipping in the winter has a special requirement and you know, again, I've been doing this for about 10 years, and I'm by far not an expert, but I've, I've had plenty of experience in getting the animals out. And, you know, recently I lost a tail. Um, I lost one animal where the, the customer didn't um, wasn't home to pick it up when they said that they would be and didn't pick up the box for a day, um, you know, sitting at their, their house. So one animal and hundreds of animals shipped still still concerns me by losing an animal, but we've had some pretty good um, shipping track record, and I'm always looking to improve, but um, I think if you follow some of these just general um, directions, I think that you can ship in the winter and not, not have a concern about that. That's a good point. I, I've, you know, I've been shipping for several years now, and I've probably shipped uh, several hundred packages. I've only lost one, one animal out of you know, hundreds, which is, I think that's phenomenal record. And, uh, you know, you, you get more comfortable with it the more you do it, I think, right? You do. You do. You get more of a feel. What we try to do with it, and I'm sure that you do this too, Dave, is every animal that's shipped, we try to ask the, the receiver, you know, how the animal came in. Is it healthy? How are the conditions in the box? Were there any issues? How does the box look? You know, I'm trying to learn as much as I possibly can with every single shipment. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's just it. Um, okay. Uh, we are coming near the end of the show, Wally, and uh, I'd like to give you the chance here to definitely touch on any topics that you you definitely wanted to hit on tonight before we uh, wrap things up. Oh, um, sure. You know, I think that we've covered a lot of different um, topics tonight. Um, as far as micro geckos, I, I can't emphasize enough. You know, these are wonderful animals. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun keeping them. They're not common out there. They're rare uh, to find any of the, the micro geckos around. You just have to look around. You have to ask some people. There's some great um, groups, great pages on Facebook for the, the micro geckos. Look under you know, dwarf geckos, or, or shoot me an email, uh, send me a Facebook message, and I can point you in the right direction. Um, there's some great sites. I certainly have um, quite a bit of information out there. Um, but they're a, a ton of fun. Um, but, again, I want to point out that they're, they're a little bit of work. Um, the biggest thing is finding the right size foods for the animals, making sure that you feed them every single day, uh, make sure you miss them, my gosh, have the right enclosure. Um, you know, we had uh, Elsa, I believe, call in earlier and say that she was doing some research before she got into the, the micros. I think that was Elsa. And I couldn't agree yep. anymore. You know, um, do the research on these animals. 
uh, find out what their habits are. You know, a lot of them are arboreal. Some of the spirodactylus are more terrestrial. Find out what their requirements are, how warm, you know, that you have to keep the enclosure. Do as much research on these animals before you bring them in uh, as you possibly can. They're, they're just a ton of fun. You can keep, you know, a lot of different animals in a small, you know, size of a space, just like the dart frogs. Uh, they're, they're some of the most beautiful animals out there. If anybody has, you know, just a couple of minutes after the show, go out to, to Google and, and, you know, look at, look at uh, you know, images of Spirodactylus, uh, just absolutely gorgeous animals. Look up uh, Ligodactylus williams eye, um, amazing animals, electric blues. Um, a lot of different good sites out there. Uh, again, if you have any questions, you know, go to Facebook and, and shoot me a, a message or, or send me a, an email. Yep, and uh trying to remember, I think um, in the group, I think the Williams Eye is the picture we have. Gecko Nation, yes, it is. Uh, the ah, Williams yeah. Gecko. Yep, that's our, that's our logo picture that I have up right now. So that's what, that's what we're talking about, folks. Um, they're incredible. They really are. Um uh, Tim, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we uh, let Wally go? Uh, just to, to add uh, what he was saying, you know, Julie Bergman's uh, website, geckoranch.com, is a great uh, tool, and uh, you get some exposure to some of these rare species, as well as uh, johnboone.com. He has some incredible pictures of geckos you will never see anywhere else. And... Uh, it's really cool to, to see some of those photos and just spend some time going through there. But Wally, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of your experience and knowledge and information. It's uh, it's great to uh, to be able to steer some people in the right direction. Yeah, thanks, absolutely. Thank and, you very and thanks much, Wally. for having me on. My pleasure entirely. Well, Wally, you know it. You have an open invitation. Um, if you feel like you have uh, a topic that you think would be good for the show, just message uh, myself or Sam and say, hey, guys, what do you say we do a show on this, and uh, we'll book you right away. Perfect. I hope everybody enjoyed the show tonight. Oh, I think they did. We had an awesome turnout. Uh, we had over 20 people were in the chat room at, at one point, uh, which is great. So, uh, yeah, we had some great callers, too. Just an excellent uh, show. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Wally. We'll be in touch with you again soon, I'm sure. And uh, if we don't talk to you, I hope you have a, a fantastic holiday and New Year's. Thanks, and you folks, too. Thanks, everyone. All right. Take care. Take care, Wally. All right. What do you think, Tim? How do we do tonight? Great, Dave. Yeah, I think we did did awesome. Um Wow, the shows, uh, I think the show is definitely getting better and better. Uh, just like anything else, the more practice you have, the better it gets. Um, definitely shows by our ratings and our listenership. So uh, thank you folks out there for uh, supporting the show and sharing the posts and the, the links and stuff. Uh, Brooke, and supporting Brooke supporting our sponsors as well. Exactly. And Brooke, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to Brooke Pilowski. She shares every single episode uh, link out there on Facebook, which is just awesome. Love you, Brooke. Just so cool. And a lot of people do, actually. There's, there's some dedicated fans that share and share. 
uh, you know, folks, uh, you know, it's really hard to grow uh, on Facebook these days without the sharing. So if you like our show and uh, you listen to it regularly, help us out by sharing the, the posts that we make on the Gecko Nation radio page. Uh, this way we can reach more people that can benefit from the show. All right. So I missed you at the White Plains show today, Tim. Uh, I wish you could have made it. I know it just uh it wasn't in the works uh for this weekend. Yeah, you think we'll get to the next one? Definitely. Um it uh I think did I miss the last one too? Is that two in a row? It it drives me I don't crazy know. when I, I missed two in a row. No, I missed the last one. You that you Oh were yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually I missed the last two cuz I wasn't feeling good. So yeah. So yeah, everybody was surprised to see me at this one. They were happy that I was there, so um, yeah, it was a good time. I, I felt like I had missed the. I felt like I wasn't there in a while. And it's true, it wasn't. It's you know, there's a several months go by in between these expos, so it was actually uh, a while. But uh, but yeah, with, okay. With the, well, with know, the holidays coming, the, the next one will come, seem like it it comes up real quick. Yes, yes, I know. I'm looking forward to the next one. So we'll see. We'll see you there, Tim. Um, let's see. Next week, folks, we have. Uh, Paul Edwards from ProTech Caging. Paul Edwards is just making some incre- – he's basically taking rack building up a notch. And if you want to go check out what he's making, his racks are the top of the line. I mean, they're not cheap. These are for, you know, elite breeders, uh, people with, them, with the money to pay for it. Uh, these racks are exceptional. Um, they're clean. They're, they're so um, – pleasing they're just beautiful uh check out protecaging.com uh of course he uses genuine flex slot heat tape which is number one in energy efficiency and number one in safety don't take chances with those imitation heat tapes folks use the best flex slot um tim we'll let you go and uh hope you have a good night we'll uh we'll catch up during the week bud same to you dave take it easy all right have a good night Okay, right, folks, I'm going to go ahead and play the outro and uh, come back with my closing remarks. And I got a good song for us uh, tonight. Check this out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. 
sorry, folks, uh, I'm back. Uh, just wanted to mention that uh, as far as my closing remarks go, um, you know, micro geckos, if you have the patience and the dedication to to learn about the care of these guys, you can create a little micro environment for them to live in. That is just a masterpiece to behold. Uh, you know, to be able to observe a little tiny gecko uh, and, and observe its behaviors, even, you know, reproduce these in captivity is just very special. And to, to learn that skill and to be able to teach others how to do it is is definitely not too common today, okay? it's A lot of species are very easy. We have a lot of, uh, you know, like leopard geckos and stuff. A lot of people know about how to care for them. It's these other skills that are kind of needed with these rarer types. Um, so if you can learn a skill with a rarer type of animal, uh, I think going forward into the future, that's a very good skill to have. And uh, make a little bonsai-like terrarium for your little micro geckos, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So uh, something to think about, right? Well, something different. So I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's show. I sure did. It's always a pleasure having Wally on. Wally's one of those guys that uh, very easy to talk to, very knowledgeable, and, uh, you know, just a wealth of uh, information and very generous. Uh, you know, just go on SupremeGecko.com. Look at what this man puts into the kids back. Look at what he puts, you know, gives back to the community. All right? He's always doing something, whether it's informational or just giving gifts and stuff. Um, you know, that's that's special, and that's rare. So, uh, you know, we, we should go out of our way to support uh, support keepers and people like this in the community, folks. All right? They're definitely assets. They're not um, like, you know, other folks that contribute nothing. I mean, these people are what keeps this, this uh, community together, okay? Uh, try to be one of those folks. And uh, I wish everybody a good night, and we will see you next week. We're going to do it again, Sunday night at 8, Eastern. Uh, and for our song for tonight, well, actually, first I want to mention my sponsors. Very important. Dale's Beard of Dragons, biggest and best reptile supply distributor, all the Northeast Expos from, all the way from uh, Maryland up to New Hampshire. Check out dalesbeardofdragons.com and the new FlexWatt heat tape website that is run by them. All right, now you can get all your FlexWatt at one site. Uh, site's still under construction, so give it a little bit of time, but uh, we're putting it together. AB Dragons. That's a little different than, than Dale's Breed of Dragons. We're talking about AV Dragons now. AVDragons.com is your best source for Dubia, high-quality Dubia fed, really good food, really good pricing. Use the code GECKO, all in caps, at checkout for AVDragons.com, folks. Gecko Boa Reptiles, John Scarborough. You know him, you love him. He's a regular guest on our show, very knowledgeable, and is doing phenomenal work with his leopard gecko morphs and wild types and obscure species as well. Check out geckoboa.com and you will see what I'm talking about. And of course, Wally from Supreme Gecko, supremegecko.com. You heard him tonight. Check out his site. Ohiogecko.com is run by Fad. He's also the owner of geckofarms.net. Check out Ohio Gecko. And uh, check out some of his amazing tangerines. He's got some cool snows. He's got some Unique fat tails to his collection, uh, Starburst Morph he's working on. Really good stuff. RainbowMealworms.net. Biggest worm farm in the world, folks, and they are our sponsor. We are proud to have Rainbow Mealworms on board as our sponsor. Jillian Spence is the goddess of worms, as I call her. She is also 
just a terrific person in the community. Does so much for us, and uh, especially for Gecko people. So check out uh, Rainbow Mealworms and uh, mention Gecko Nation Radio. Great place to get your worms. Reliable and customer services second to none. All right, and if you're starting to ship your animals uh, in America, you're going to want to do it with the the best shipping company to get your FedEx labels that's going to not only be there every step of the way to make sure your packages are safe and sound and get there on time, you're going to want the best customer service. And that's with Debbie Price of Reptiles Express. Check out reptilesexpress.com. Ship the right way. Ship the legal way. Use Reptiles Express. You're going to get the best pricing on your FedEx labels. Okay, by getting your FedEx labels on your own without going through Reptiles Express, Express, you're going to pay a lot more money, and you're not going to be shipping live animals legally. So do it the right way, folks, reptilesexpress.com. It's free to become a member. Ron Tremper, leopardgecko.com. He is the man that gave us leopard gecko morphs, one of the biggest contributors, if not the biggest contributor, to leopard gecko morph making. Check out leopardgecko.com, and also check out his apps on uh, off of your smartphone. He's got the Leopard Gecko Pro app, and he's got Leopard Gecko Care. Uh, the Leopard Gecko Pro app is about to get an update with some really cool stuff. So get on board with those two apps and check out his site to see where morphs are made, leopardgecko.com. Uh, we spoke about MS2 Premium Chow. Check out MS2 Premium Chow on Facebook and uh, hit up Marcy Sowers. So, yeah, good stuff. Last but not least in our newest sponsor, Daryl Burton and Cade Burton from Longhorn Geckos, working on some really select morphs such as Super Tangelos, Pastel Raptors, uh, White and Yellows, really cool wild types. And uh, their website's going to be up soon, I think. But for now, you can check them out on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos. All right, folks, thank you very much. And here's something new. 